To sync this podcast to the episode, pause now and hit play right after the previously on. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the uh, Outlander podcast. I'm Matt Roberts, executive producer and writer on Outlander, and um, we're here again alone in my home office enduring more of the lockdown for coronavirus, uh, as I'm sure all of you are as well. Um, I'm, uh, social distancing is, is uh, what we're calling it. Anyway, I'm social distancing from our writing staff um, as we go. We, we are actually working on season six. Um, thankfully, technology is brought us to a place where we can all communicate on a daily basis and uh, just so you know the writers are working hard um, you know breaking season six and getting the scripts written and we're moving forward as best we can hopefully to keep uh, Droughtlander as short as possible not that uh, um, we have any say about what the virus does but uh, we're doing our part here. Uh, here we are with episode 510 Mercy Shall Follow Me. Uh, this was uh, written by Megan Farrell Burke, directed by Annie Griffin. And um, uh, yeah, here we are, Wilmington. Uh, this was uh, an episode we talked about when we were breaking. Um, uh, Stephen Bonnet, who is now with us uh, on screen, we talked about how finishing the Bonnet story um, throughout the season so far. We have given little tidbits of what he's been doing in his in his life and uh, working behind the scenes to really, you know, get his son back, who he perceives his son. Um, so we we worked uh, into. Uh, we worked in the room trying to see uh, how, where the best fit to bring the story to a conclusion. And episode 10 seemed to be the perfect spot. And as you'll know, the book readers, as you'll notice, we brought a story from book six up um, into this episode. Uh, we've always kind of never shied away from finding something in, in a book and, and, and the story fitting whatever season we're working on and, and, and putting it in. Um, some stories are, are actually work like that. You know, we do flashbacks like that quite a bit too. Um, but this was one of those stories in book six that it takes place in chapter a hundred and something or so. And we thought rather than the wait the entire um, season six, we would bring it up and, and finish it off in season five. Um, uh, Ed Spaliers and, and Billy Boyd, who plays Forbes here, um, always love them on, on screen. They, they're so uh, fantastic, uh, dynamic actors. Um, you, give them, you give them anything to do, and, and, and they test the limits. And that's, that's what I like, you know, in different takes you see five or six different takes of a scene sometimes and the actors can really give different nuanced performance making the choices 
in editing, you know, which one you're going to use. Um, obviously try to use the one that best tells the story, but, uh, they do give you a lot of choices. Um, and this is one of those scenes where, um, their, their dynamic, their play off each other was, uh, it changed in, in each take, but not to the point where, um, it was a completely different scene. It was just, there were subtle little differences and, and it makes those choices difficult. Um, we, obviously, uh, uh, we filmed this in Scotland on a back lot where we have built the town of Wilmington and, uh, sometimes in Scotland, you may have heard it rains. And it, for me, when we go to, um, the set, this is a back lot set, the rain actually enhances it. It, it, it makes it feel like, um, uh, you know, it adds just a richness to it that you can't get, um, you know, filming on a Hollywood backlot. And, uh, and I like that this set is actually on, on stage and we, what we create, we have a backdrop and then we have extras or supporting artists walking back and forth in front of the, the, um, uh, the windows to give the, the feeling they're in the same place. Look at that. I'm unwrapping, I'm unwrapping all our, our secrets for you. Um, but I think uh, as you watch the shows over and over again, um, these are some of the things that you, you can, you can pick out and, and to see the layers of detail that we try to, um, affect to, to bring the whole show to life. Um, no detail, um, is, um, overlooked. We talk about each, each department has something to be concerned over, something to worry over. Uh, production design worries about the look of the entire show. And then within production design, there are different, um, sub departments. So there's props and there's set decoration, there's painting, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the people who are artists who paint the uh, the actual sets go back over them and make sure that they look aged. We let this set age itself uh, out on um, out on location. Gary originally painted it, and a lot of times we keep things uncovered and just let the weather do its work. So. That tree is not actually growing there. Uh, another sub-department is greens. That's uh, the greens department. We have one of the hardest working greens department, I think, in the world. They have built us um, forests. They built us a jungle in South Africa. And, and just exactly what it, it um, kind of conveys in their name is that they're the greens department life, the growing, growing things is their department. And it just a, a scene like this where you seemingly they would have no work um, to do because it's all green and it's all natural, but they, they do, they have to, they have to make sure everything's in the right place for the camera to follow. And um, it's such a intricate and, and you know, uh, job. we have the department, you always can tell a greens person because of all the dirt all over them, but they seem to revel 
in it and and ours you know hands hands up to them they're they're fantastic at their jobs we found this location we were doing some scouting one day and we found this location um and it just seemed to fit this building was already there on this the this the, the site of this pond but the way the pond moves to uh is is situated the prevailing winds come across it and it and it makes it feel like there's a current and it looks like there's a river flowing outside so um we 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 lucked out and then and then Gary and his team of course came in and and redid and redressed everything and painted and put a new roof on as they tend to do uh we had to travel quite a distance to find a, a beach um, in Scotland that resembled a beach in North Carolina. And, um, and we, we found one a, a couple hours, uh, kind of Southeast of our studio. Um, and I think, uh, both Katrina and Sophie, um, had a pretty good time being out there, uh, walking along the beach. Um, This part of the story for me, the Jamie, you know, episode nine, I think really brought the Jamie and Roger um, relationship to a good, got, got them to a good place. They mutual respect. I think Jamie absolutely knows how much Roger loves uh, Brianna. He can see it in his eyes that he loves Brianna just as much as Jamie loves Claire, um, if that's possible. But this is... You know, I think as Jamie sees Roger a little bit of himself, they're not the same men, of course, but he sees what Roger's willing to do um, to keep his family together, but also what he was willing to do to keep, you know, Jamie alive. And I think that that spoke a lot um, uh, to Jamie. So they started to be more playful with each other, and I think that's out of a, a sign of respect. Um, we we decided to kind of take a little sidetrack from the book. There's a dead whale in the in the book, and and we didn't want to do that, and we wanted to show the life that was living at the time. And these are visual effects whales. We didn't luck out and and find right whales. Uh, you know, swimming and migrating at the perfect time, you know, of course, you know, in Scotland. Um, but we wanted to show through the course of this season a little bit of the life that they would have encountered that would have been much more dense, much richer, more more populate, um, populated um, in the colonies at the time. You know, we had the, the buffalo that were that were there, and we were all shocked when we discovered there were buffalo um, in the area, not not as you know plentiful as uh, the plain states, but there were. And and the the whales going back and forth on the east coast that the whalers in the next century decimate, you know. So we just kind of wanted to show that rather than a, a dead whale on the on the um, on the beach. Plus, it was you know, more practical for um, production. Um, when we first way back talked about, you know, we kind of looked to the book 
always first to say, okay, well, how do we do a dead whale? How do we do people running and walking and interacting with it? We will, it almost, we step back from that almost immediately knowing that, well, that has to be a visual effect whale. And then you say, okay, well, when people interact with visual effects, it, it drives the price up. It drives the time to film it up. It drives all those things up. And when you make, say, a, a movie where you can spend months and months and months filming the, the movie um, and you can spend, you know, one day filming an entire page, uh, you know, one page of the script. Well, on television, you don't do that. You sometimes do seven pages a day. So you you have to, you know, in, in 12 days an episode. So you have to kind of really, it's all condensed. Um so you have to kind of figure out, then you have to step back and go, okay, well, what if we did them looking at live whales? And then we could put the whales out, you know, in the ocean and they can be jumping so we can get the, we can get the feeling, but it can't, it's, it's not the exact same thing. Um, this is one of those, uh, we have a fight. You know, one of these fights are broken down over the course of um, the five weeks that we prep the episodes. So over the, we start breaking the, the fights down almost immediately. Um, we have uh, essentially, we come into a room, we all talk about them. We start to choreograph in a way of this is what we want to happen. We Tonally, we want this to happen. And then we give that over to our coordinator, Dom who then gets his stunt team in and they play every part. So someone plays Jamie, someone plays um, uh, Roger and, and Ian, and they start choreographing those moves. And then we bring the actors in to see the moves. And then they start taking, um, uh, their, they take their cues from that, but then they start bringing their, their own moves into the scene. And then it, so it has to start somewhere. And then, and then everybody kind of builds on that. And then it's uh, either we see a live performance of it or a videotape, and then we give notes on it, and we work it in. And then you get to the actual space, because this is done in a stunt room, and they tape out whatever space we're going to use. Um, and then, but believe it or not, no matter how accurate you are to taping out a space in, in a meeting room or in the stunt room, you get to the actual location and almost everything changes. You know, it's, this isn't quite the same. And, oh, the boards move here and they didn't, you know, the floor isn't quite the same. So it does take on a new life and you have to make adjustments. I don't know if you noticed in the earlier scenes with Bree and Claire uh, walking, we did some POV shots and um, hinted that that might have been Somebody watching, well, guess who was watching? Stephen Bonnet. I like how you never know what you get with Stephen. You know, you don't know if he's going to be this vicious murderer or he's going to be charming. And I think we, we talked about this way back in season four about how Jamie and Claire could get duped by him. And I think we talked about that last year as well, that he had to be a somewhat charming guy because if he wasn't, you know, Jamie would see right through him. Claire would see right through him. They dealt with enough people in their lives to know when someone's, 
you, you know, lying. And that's why when, when talking w with Ed about the part, it, it's, it has to come from a place where he truly believes what he's saying when he's saying it, because if he didn't, um, the person on the, the other end would, would completely, you know, they would know that he was a liar. And I think if, if Stephen Bonnet took a, a modern day lie detector test, he would pass with flying colors. Um, that's the, the person he is. Um, once again, all this was film, filmed a couple hours uh, uh, southeast of um, the studio. Uh, hats off again to our location department for finding such a, a location that feels like uh, it could be North Carolina. I, I always love going into meetings with... Um, uh, production, some of the production departments, and and I'll say things like, "Hey, you know, we need uh, a beach uh, that looks like this," and we'll have a picture, and the look on their face is, uh, you know, the the shock, and then they get a they go about doing it. This is an actual composite, so this is a beach shot of uh, of the beach where we we actually just shot, but then what we did is visual effects. We dropped the Bonnet's um, beach house, so to speak, um, in, and then we added um, the ocean on the other side to create the illusion of, of an island. So I thought that was really well done. And the lighting was very, very much on the day. So we sent up a drone to get that shot under the beautiful lighting conditions. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time uh, he casually says that, uh, Bonnets casually says, oh, I had no quarrel with her. I left her on the beach. Uh, I just love the way Ed performs this whole arc in, in this um, section. Um, Sophie as well. I think they had to find the right balance between, um, uh, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to need a drink. I'm getting a little parched. I'm drinking today. Um, the Sassanac, yes, a whiskey made by uh, God. Who who's making this? I think a guy named Sam Hewen. Anyway, I was lucky enough to order a couple bottles right when it right when it went on sale, and and it took this long to get here. So anyway, we are trying the Sassanac, and it is for those of you. Um, I like it. I uh, I think it goes well with um, just about anything. I have some ice in it because it was a little warm here today, so uh, but I I do I do like it neat as well. So that's enough of of uh, the whiskey talk. That's a whole separate podcast. I feel whiskey talk with Matt, and it just progressively gets worse as I go because I get drunker and drunker. Um, anyway, we. We built um, part of this uh, this on on set. We built part of the bonnet's lair on set, and um, because we knew that these scenes were going to have to, uh, we didn't want to be locked down to a location for it because we knew the scenes were going to take a lot. We needed to give a lot of time to the actors um, to find the performances because it's such a subtle balance to f to to be in a position where Bree has to really kind of figure out who, what the hell is going on. 
and for Bonnet to, you know, get to a place where he can, he can try to convince her really that he's sincere. He wants to at least pretend to have a life. And we have to remember that in the times, you know, in, in the, in the, in the, 18th century you know men were very dominant they were they kind of ruled the day and then um so him having a wife didn't mean that he couldn't still do all the fun things that he you know, bonnet thought were fun you know like going out and being a pirate or or having you know concubines or mistresses or whatever so um he just wants jemmy and and everything that jemmy can can bring bring to the to the table no pun um, actually, that was a pun, a bad one. Uh, we talked about putting Brie in a situation where she could use her intellect, getting her out of the building and just having her escape and run on on the beach. Um, we looked into that. We, we talked about it, but we just couldn't figure out what that would be. We had trouble once again on location, finding a place that we could actually physically shoot that. So sometimes that happens. We, 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 we go, okay, well, we can't physically do this thing. So how do we keep the feeling of the story in the book, keep the essence of it and make it feel like she's, she's in a prison and that she escapes. And what we, what we tried to do is put her in a position where she has to use her intellect to uh, assess the situation and then to apply that, uh, her know-how, to get out of the situation. Um, ultimately, you know, where you saw the, the episode, it doesn't work because um, the one thing she can't, you know, uh, she can't manufacture is feelings for this man. And um, that was the arc that we, we you know, broke out and, and ultimately wrote. I think one of the fun lines is uh, um, when when he says, uh, is there something, uh, I just saw it and I forgot it already. This is what the Sassanac whiskey does to me, is uh, I drink it and I forget, forget the lines. Um, it's about the moral compass. Sorry, uh, I love that line when, uh, you can't teach them a, a moral compass. Anyway, I lost my whole train of thought right there because I'm watching the scene too. Um, I think we we wanted to play that when he mentions Jemmy or Jeremiah that she's that's when she starts to worry and that's when she changes her her whole tone is. I'm I'm going to have to play along here to to get out to to figure this out to buy some time, and um, you can see it on Sophie's face. You can see the, the you know the, the the penny drops, and she has to make the make the next step. How do I? What do I do? How do I buy time? I know my parents are probably looking for me. I know my husband's probably looking for me right, right now. What do I do?
I think we probably should have inserted a shot of the books from her POV there. Um, we didn't have it, so uh, we could have gone. What we do is we, we, we have these things called pickups. You know, we see a cut and we um, will go back after that and pick up little things that we need during. Sometimes we do reshoots, you know, a full reshoot when we know that we don't have, you know, there wasn't enough time or, 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 you know, you just need to fill in something for, um, for the episode. That was one of those moments and just looking at it again, that we probably should have seen her looking at the books and then she, the, the idea hits her, she could read. Um, but that's hindsight. Hindsight's 2020, I guess. This was, we talked about, you know, intoning the episode. We wanted her to feel trapped. There was a sound of a locking door. She can't get out. He has her. Um, and, and then he also has to kind of feel like he's becoming more vulnerable. No one's trying to to pretend that Bonnet is um, this uh, sorry soul and, and and a good person. It's one of those things we that maybe if circumstances imagine I mean, we mentioned this in in the room. Imagine if instead of um, the story of Bonnet being you know thrown for dead with by his construction buddies um that he was found by by jamie and 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 his family um and raised up would bonnet have been the same person and that was the question we asked would he be the same person um and we compared that to say blackjack and said would blackjack be the same person and and for me i think blackjack would be exactly the same person and also, for me, I don't think, I think Jamie's influence on Bonnet would possibly have changed him and made him a better man. And all the influences on Bonnet's life has turned him into this person. Now, <coughs> that being said, I don't think in this moment, you know, Bree's love or anybody's love is going to change who Bonnet is. He's a grown man. He's, he is who he is. And... I don't think all, I think that uh, nothing's going to just, you know, flip a switch and come back to him. Um, but that's just, you know, me riffing on who uh, a character, you know, Bonnet, our Bonnet is slightly different than the Bonnet in the books, of course. Um, uh, this was, uh, what we also talked about this in talking to Sophie about it is that she is not reading uh, obviously Moby Dick and that it has to feel like she's kind of remembering passages and then adding things of her own and kind of carrying the story through by memory but uh, it had to absolutely feel like um, she was kind of making up as she was going along and I, I, I believe that you know I believe it does you know she remembers his name and certain certain little points to that big book it also helps to mention that that she had uh earlier in the earlier scene that she she read it
I like that Bonnet gets a little excited that that his son could like stories about the sea that um hey he might be like me because of course you know Bonnet's going to look for any connection um and he, he because he wants Jemmy to be his he thinks Jemmy's his you know no one's going to tell him otherwise um this is the real Bonnet coming out I think a little bit He's impatient. He wants what he wants when he wants it. And he just wants to know what happens. And and I like the turn there a little bit is that that he's not um he can never be the man who he thinks he wants to be. Because you know, there's a lot of layers here. There's a lot of layers. This is a this was a a difficult scene to to cut. There's so, there's there's so much going on that you you want to be in the right spot. Um, meaning you want the cut to be in the right spot with each line delivery. You know who is it the reaction you want? Is it the line you want? Uh, and because each performance was so. Um, uh, deep and, 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 and rich. So you want to make sure you're in the right spot. And, and I think in the end, you know, we spent a lot of time with this scene and, and I think we found a really good balance here as well. More time. Throat's getting dry. My favorite line. Not my favorite. I don't play favorites. I just think the delivery and the subtext is is just amazing, um, and the audience who gets to be this voyeur in this scene um, get gets all the messages from from that line, whereas it goes right by Bonnet because he he's in a different headspace. But I just uh, I really do love that line. I think in telling the story again to Bree, um, he tells it in a different way because he's opening here. He's opening up a little more. Um, and it it makes him slightly vulnerable. And, and I think that comes to pass later in the episode is, is that, that he felt he was being too vulnerable. Um, and this is a person that just doesn't do that. But having having created some manufactured connection with her, um, and as the book readers know, they have um, they have even more of a connection in the book. Um, we we stepped that back, I think, a bit. Um, uh, we always talk about it and how far we can go and how far. Um, we can take things. I think that another thing we, we don't talk about um, uh, on the podcast here is the balance between what we show on screen and what you read in the books. And 
you know, I know we've talked about, you know, some of that, but the thing is, is, you know, when, when, when you read something in, in the, when you read something in the book, you can, you can kind of edit whatever you want, when you want. You can even flip pages and, and jump ahead. Um, I've talked to people in different, um, you know some of the panels we've done and and I've talked to some of the uh, the fans and the audience members and they 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 do talk about you know oh well when I got to that scene I just flipped a few pages and then I moved on because I didn't I knew what happened but I didn't have to I didn't want to read it and I realize in hearing that and you read that on Twitter sometimes or Instagram or you know that that you realize oh wow they that's too graphic for their them even reading, and the books are are very detailed, very graphic in in some respects, and they're so you know richly um, described that it's hard not to picture what's going on. So when we come into the room and we talk about these scenes, and when we come to production and we you know talk to the directors. And how far and what we show is always uh, a big deal, and and that certainly has come up multiple times on on the uh, on Outlander during the the five seasons. Um, this was this was a scene that I digress. I'm sorry about that. Uh, this was a scene that we we talked about. We actually filmed a, a couple times. We had to go back and film it again. Is that it, we had to be so careful of of what he believes and what she believes and what she um, and when I say Bonnet and, and and Brie is this is the moment I'm going to be all in and Bonnet has to believe it he has to believe it but he needs something he needs proof and and I think by being vulnerable the night before he's not going to just take take this on face value it's this moment shouldn't we just be together for a while shouldn't we just spend some time together to get to know each other then i can maybe believe you then maybe my charms will will overwhelm you and stockholm syndrome will come in and you will you will be mine but he i think right here in the back of his head he knows i'm going to force her to prove it physically Catches her off guard, which, and you can see in the moment, she's like, I don't know where this is going to go. I certainly don't want to go into the bedroom, but, and we talked about this early on uh, in filming and, and, and with the director, with the actors, and it was, this has to be a real moment. And I actually brought up the moment where Claire um, has to give herself over to the king of France and to save Jamie's life. And that was referenced here, is that Brie is trying to save her uh, child and she has to give herself over. And I don't think Claire convinced the king of France that she was, you know, in any way in love or like with him. And that's what this moment is about. He could, she could not, no matter how 
real the kiss was, she couldn't make it passionate. She couldn't, she couldn't convey any feelings in that kiss. And he knows that. And that's why he snaps. And that's why he becomes bonnet again. So um, this was one of those moments that we had to make sure um, it felt right. And then these are, you know, uh, one of the graphic moments I was talking about, you know, how physical we get, how physical he got with her, you know, in, in, in the fact that she would, you know, that physicality is, is, is memories of what he did to her before. So, and I think this is a visual of that, you know, she can instantly put herself in this place where this, you know, Epi is being, um, uh, doing it willingly for money. Um, when designing this set, we needed to have places to go and with the camera, but also with the characters and giving them places to go to where the eye lines matched up, you know, where, where he, she could see, but where the camera could see. And you can see this is a, a great uh, camera placement for that. Get her POV to get her perspective you know, what she's going through at the same time, knowing that's right out there. Sorry, drinking. Must be done. I cannot help myself. Um, the Epi character, this is Leah Shine, who really does shine in the role. She, every scene she did, we were, we were just so impressed with her. Um, there's just such a likability to her and, um, uh, charisma. the desperation in in Brie and the casualness in Epi the the dynamic is is so desperate you could, I could feel it's palpable what what Brie is going through but Epi's just really not reading it and I and and I love that dynamic in this scene You can see her, you can see Epi calculating what maybe she can get out of this. Maybe she can benefit from this, but, but, but she's also a person. And I think that she, um, she can see the desperation in Bree's eyes. So instead of just taking the ring, instead of just taking the money and running, which she could have done. She could have lied to. Her. She said, "Yes, I'll take it, and I'll I'll get word to her, and just walked out that door and never done anything." But she doesn't, and um, it shows it shows the humanity of the character. I think that was a natural utterance 
um, just came out. It felt real too. Uh, Chris Donald plays Wiley, and um, he was so fantastic in episode six. Uh, we were trying to find uh, a place to bring him back, and and this is uh, the moment we, we felt like Roger and Jamie can throw him against a wall and and push to find where where Bonnet you know where Bonnet could possibly be. I think Jamie knows him well enough to know that they don't have to put that much pressure that that be that violent with him. Just that subtle show of the knife. He knew that was going to be enough to to get him to open up. They just the real thing was just finding Wiley and getting him to a, a kind of a secure location so they can talk to him. chilly that day no doubt oh good old river run in the sense that river run is a uh, we have two locations we have locate we have the location um where the big facade is put up uh, the facade of the house and then we have a location in the studio that we built and it takes up a whole stage actually um the parlor the dining room the 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 foyer and and um, uh, the staircase and bedrooms and, and it's it's a pretty massive set. It actually sits in the stage that we had um, uh, the Boston apartment and uh, we had the uh, Great Hall uh, in Leoc. Um, so the, if if that gives you any idea of the size of it, that's that's you know what it is and that's the reason for it, the size is so you can shoot through like that scene you just the moment you just saw we're in one room and you shoot all the way through to the next room and it gives depth and um that's something you look for when you're when you're you know planning shots is you want to give depth to the scene you don't want to end up in little corners and film in boxes all the time um uh, this is this scene was uh, uh, really one of the, you know one of those. I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm following along as you guys are. Uh, I love how uh, Forbes comes in and starts measuring up what he's going to take. He the plan obviously from the first scene is I'm going to get twenty percent of this if once my um, client takes over, and then when she hits him with she wants to give some of these things away um you can just read it on on his face and once again billy boyd um he's magic it's always raining in wilmington i actually um drove through wilmington and it wasn't raining so uh coincidence i don't know Jamie walks into a brothel, and uh, let's say Jamie probably knows his way around a brothel. I like the look that Sam gave, like when he walked in and he looks around, 
Uh, not that he'd been there before, but just that, uh, you know, he used to live in a place like this. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Sam's look to, to uh, Claire there, the way he kind of looked there. Are you threatening her? Sorry. Make, made me laugh in editing every time and we left it in um, because it's kind of a funny look. Um, but hey, that's just me. So as I was saying, this is this is that that's a big facade that we do and and um, out on a location, um, it's all dressed, and and then we do all the interior shots on stage. So <laughs> the play back and forth is obviously he can he he knows she can't see him um and so the disgust on his place uh the dust uh, on his face he he knows he can really play up and and um and i like that a, a you know person a seeing person could read that in a second and go what's your problem but joe costa's getting it and i like that that maria lets it go for a minute and then and then she she's like, hold on a second. Um, she probably knows that Forbes is an irritable kind of guy anyway. But you know, when he takes a step too far, she's 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 getting it. She's like, hey, this is none of your concern. Just do my bidding for me. Make sure this is given away. Here's the big turn. I think, do you think Jocasta really hoped it was Forbes? I think she was, you know, working under pressure in season four, trying to find uh, Brianna, uh, a, a husband, in in desperate times. So um, I think that was she was placating him there. We, in you know, one of the more odd prep meetings was how would how would he go about killing her quietly? You know, is there strangulation? Was he stabbed? You know, all the things that you can talk about. Um, but also that bell is very important. Is the fact that the bell rang and and it gave uh, Ulysses, um, uh, you know, the alarm to come in and save. And save him. Uh, save her. Sorry. It was a a moment of actually saying her name. You know, he probably has never really said it <laughs> to her. So if you saw the, if you remember the title card, uh, this is, uh, we try to 
plant those where you have to put the puzzle piece together and figure out where does this fit. Some of them are fairly obvious throughout the season. You know, the printing press was pretty obvious. And um, I think uh, the Dunbonnet was, was a obvious, but those are, those are the ones that you, you don't have to piece together. They, they, they fit into the story, but um, you know, where we've done um, over the years, we've actually kind of changed them um, to tell part of the story. Uh, you guys probably remember more of them than I do. I just, uh, believe it or not, it, it you know, for all of us who work on the show, you get intimate with what you're working on in front of you in the moment. And right now it's season six. And we are digging into, you know, all the aspects of that. I, I, the, the designers are still working from home in, in Scotland. So, you know, on a daily basis, I'll get, you know, design drawings and, and concepts and I'll look at them and, and, um, and then I'll get a reminder, Hey, you have to do the podcast for five, 10. And, you know, of course, the first thing I do is I go find the whiskey I'm going to drink. Um, you know, standards must remain. And, and then I'll start, you know, watching the episode with you guys and I'll start remembering things and, and going, oh, wow, yeah, I remember this and I remember that. And, um, but when we filmed these, um, they were quite a while ago. When we wrote these, they were even, it was even, you know, twice as long. Because um, they go through the, you know, drafts of scripts and, um, and then through production and then weeks of, of prep and then fil- weeks of filming. So... You really go, oh wow, yeah, I remember this, and 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 oh, I remember this moment when we were on set and what was going on, and and, uh, but just in 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 just so you guys know, that's what we're doing. We're we're we try to get ahead of the of the game, so we have not, you know, rested during this time. So whereas I woke up this morning having meetings and conversations and and doing working on scripts um you know here i am you know a little later in the afternoon um looking at season 5 and trying to to go back all the way to when we filmed some of these scenes and when we wrote some of these moments so please forgive if i don't remember everything um and uh I'm just trying to uh, give you as many facts as as possible. Um, And I will say, you know, for me, I'm getting pretty excited about season six. It's uh, looking good. Lots of good stuff. Um, And I did, uh, I did, I was getting a lot of questions about, you know, seasons in the future. And as uh, we always say, you know, there's, you know, we always want more Outlander. And as far as I know, and this is as far as I know, I don't believe everybody tells me everything, but I don't know that season six is the end. 
That's all I'm saying. I don't know that. I like that Bree tries to use a desperation about Jemmy there to, to see if maybe he had a heart. To maybe if if there was that she got to him in those earlier scenes and you can see that she just didn't. Um, that is not a real tall ship out there. We put a uh, um a rendering I think uh, we talked about it being uh, the Artemis if we could reuse the Artemis no one could really find the details of it so we had, we did this fight you know during the block and then we went back and we added some elements to it much later and when we came on to the day um, the original cut uh, Manny, who held the purse, didn't get shot. There was a bigger fight, and uh, or a different kind of fight. So we we added elements to this, and uh, kind of re-choreographed the fight in a reshoot, and um, thought it worked out kind of well because the day we picked to go do the reshoot, you're always it's always a crapshoot in Scotland, you know, especially going to the coast. And the days matched up perfectly. The tide matched up, the the clouds. It was just um, every now and then you get really lucky, and it was this was one of those days. So uh, it just seamlessly cut together, and you would never know what moments were from um, one day to the next. And uh, even even uh, I can't uh, kind of tell sometimes. Boy, that's a callback. Way back. You guys remember? I think all of... all Everybody standing there... He has done something horrific to all of them. And... Uh, the way they the way they were all glaring at him um, was a great shot. It was a really good, uh, really good shot. It's a minor, minor time jump here uh, coming up. Uh, sometimes uh, I don't know if you guys if we've ever talked about refrigerator logic. We use this sometimes in. Um, television writing we say refrigerator logic it's it's when you write something or when it's filmed and you do something and you see it and then you the show's over you walk to the refrigerator you get a snack or something to drink and something pops in your head and this happens for movies and you know you get home and you're having a snack and you go oh wait a minute hold on how did that happen 
or you know there's always a moment for me the big ref- my big refrigerator moment is in indiana jones um uh, raiders of the last start and it's when indiana jones gets on the submarine and then the submarine goes down and then he gets to the nazi island and you go i had to get in the submarine you know because they clearly would have had to seal it up tight and it's one of those moments where you go well that's refrigerator logic and you go who cares he got there and he saved a day and it's a great movie so well at least i think it's a great movie so this was one of those time jumps you know how did how did try on you know intercede if he's not there and letters and you know i think it's you know ships maybe a ship sent a message to new york and another ship came down and it just traveled faster once again i hope your snack at the refrigerator was as tasty as mine during this moment but to me it was all about the moment and the moment is bonnet getting his and we always knew it would be brie doing this you know from day one brie and how we were going to do it and how we were going to get the water to rise and how we were going to get ed into the water to make him safe and the moment he sees her and does he see her and do we see her all those things you know were talked about in, in endless meetings and and ultimately in the cut we came to you know this is that we're beyond bonnet beyond bonnet beyond bonnet don't show them don't show brie and roger and then and then he bonnet can see something on shore he knows what it is and then um and this was another moment we talked about i think roger knows the answer and i think brie knows the answer but it's they might not be the same answer and i think we all as the audience have our own conclusion and that's what's so great about the ending to me is that the ending is whatever the ending is you want um again uh that was um ep 510 here we are almost done with season five we got two fantastic episodes coming up and i hope you'll be there with us um thank you very much and as always in this time be safe and uh, take care of yourselves thank you